journey. Before we jump into the Word, I want to uh, do a little family update, let you know about some changes that are happening in and around our church that I think be helpful for you to know and some exciting things that are ahead. Um, our executive pastor, uh, John Oakland, uh, about three years ago, he approached me and started talking about retirement. And my immediate response to him, and I kid you not, is I just, I choked up, I teared up because uh, from the early days of Journey, 18 years ago, John and I were on the launch team here together, just as, just as volunteers uh, around this church. And so we've always done this together. When I stepped into the role that I'm in right now, uh, I just said, John, I won't do this if you're not going to stick around. I want you to be here. I don't want to do this job without you. Uh, but three years ago, he let me know, gave me plenty of runway, plenty of opportunity to know when he turned 60 uh, that he wanted to retire. And John turns 60 uh, this month. It's, I hope it's okay if I tell everyone that, Oak, but uh, I just did, so there. Um, but anyway, that means a transition for John. What I'm excited about is uh, that John is not leaving our staff completely. He's going to be in a, a reduced role around here. He's going to help us uh, through our building project and helping us raise some resources in and around that. So John is going to continue to be here in that role, which we're very excited about. And he'll continue to serve on our council, which is the highest level of our leadership around here because uh, he's still got uh, vision and energy to see Journey become everything that God has, is calling us to be. And so I just wanted to let you know that uh, John will be making that transition this summer uh, to begin to think about backfilling some pretty big shoes that John has carried around here for a long time. Uh, we've got a couple of hires that we made this summer that we're really, really excited about. The first one uh, is a guy named Brian Preby. Some of you may have seen him around here. I think I actually see him right over in that area. If you see a head that looks like that over there, that's him. Uh, he's going to be our new executive pastor. And as briefly as I can explain, what he's going to do is uh, his job will be about integrating the, the vision and the strategies of Journey Church across all the ministries uh, of Journey and thinking about the spiritual direction and the spiritual formation of our staff. That's kind of the big picture overview of what Brian is going to be giving energy to. We're excited about that. I'll give a more formal introduction of Brian. He doesn't officially start on our staff until July 1, and so uh, shortly in July, I'll get him on the stage here and introduce you to him as well. A second hire that we made is a gal named Jenny Hofer. Uh, for many of you, this is not a new face. She has served on our staff in lots of different roles over lots of years. Uh, she has most recently finished up her MBA 
and she is going to be our operations pastor around here. She's going to be giving oversight to the financial things around here that John gave leadership to, a lot of HR things around here. She's going to be thinking about how do we leverage this facility, the commons, to not only bless Journey Church, but think about how do we bless the community. Uh, Those are going to be some of the big rocks that Jenny is carrying for us. We're super, super excited uh, about those hires. They're amazing folks. We're sad that John is transitioning, but he's still here, which we're very, very grateful for. So those those are the changes that I wanted to let you know about. I'm a little bit squeamish. You need to know that about me because if you come up to me and you've got a a picture that you wanna show me of some wound that was on your body, I don't wanna see it. If you've had some kind of surgery, I don't wanna hear you explain it to me because here's what happened. I, I don't know what it is. I start to just get lightheaded and my knees just start to buckle and I just feel like I'm gonna completely pass out. I am squeamish. Now, take that fact, put a pin in that, And let me finish here. I'm the father of three children. I was the birth coach for all three of those children. Let me just say, when you're in a labor and delivery room, you see stuff. You see stuff that's in there. During the birth of our second child, Carmen was right in the middle of active labor, and we decided that she was going to take a, it's always hard for me to say it, intrathecal, intrathecal intrathecal, is that how you say it? It is a shot of morphine into the spinal cord, but here's what needs to happen for her to be able to get the intrathecal. She has to bend over like this and put her arms down and arch her back like a cat. That doesn't seem that hard. I I did that pretty easily, but I'm also not in active labor right now. (laughs) So when the doctor said that this is what she needed to do, he said, you're gonna need to help her And so he said, what you need to do is you need to get in front of her and you need to get your arms around her, get your hands on her back and hold her up because she's not gonna be able to hold herself up. Well, then the anesthesiologist comes in and he's got a needle that's like this long (laughs) walking in there. And so I'm I'm like holding her and they're putting the iodine or whatever they're doing on her back and I'm looking at this and I'm seeing the needle and my legs just start to buckle. So here I am, I'm supposed to be lifting her up And my poor pregnant wife is sitting there trying to hold me up because I'm about ready to go down. She needed me to lift her up. But I also needed her to lift me up. Friends, every one of us in this room, we need people in our life that lift us up. We need friends. Because this series is all about, we're saying it's complicated. Relationships are complicated and friendships are no different. But friendships, I believe, are the foundation of all the relationships that we're talking about, whether they're dating relationships, marriage relationships, parenting relationships. The basis is friendship. We've got to learn how to do friendships. And today what we're gonna do is we're gonna walk through the book of Proverbs because Proverbs talks a ton about friendships and relationships. And one of the major themes of the book of Proverbs is that what the wisdom literature calls the fool, the fool is one who doesn't have friends. Either their life comes to ruin because of a lack of friends or because of poorly chosen friends. Do you have friends? Do you have what I'm gonna call that 2 a.m. phone call friend? That person 
that if you called in the middle of the night, 2 a.m., if they see your name on their phone, they will pick it up and they will do anything to be there for you. Do you have a 2 a.m. phone call kind of friend? Because friend, you need it. We need to have those kinds of close friends, those friends that really know us and we really know them. Do you have a 2 a.m. phone call friend? Statistics will say most of you in this room do not. You don't have those. Statistics say right now in America, six in 10 people struggle every day with deep feelings of loneliness. This feeling of being disconnected from others around us. That sinking feeling that we feel that nobody really sees what's happening in my life. Nobody really knows what's going on in my life. And this difficult thing that I'm trying to carry in my life. There's nobody there to help me carry it. Nobody to lift me up. And if that's you, if you're thinking, man, I get, that's how I feel. Often days, that's how I feel. And maybe you're asking yourself, is it just me? Am I the only one? You need to hear today that you are not alone in feeling alone. Here's something that I'm gonna say that may actually sound a little bit strange. When I typed it into my computer, I thought, that just seems weird, but I want it, I believe this is true. I think the loneliness that you feel, that tug, that angst, that desire to wanna to be connected to other people, I believe it is a gift from God. And here's how I mean that. It's like that, that flashing light on the dashboard of your car that tells you there's, there's something wrong underneath the hood in your car. I think when we have those deep feelings of loneliness in our life, it's that flashing light saying, there's something wrong in your world. This is not how you were intended to live. God intends for us to live connected life. He doesn't want us to be alone. You were built, you were made by God for radical, real connection with other people. Even if you're sitting here today and you're thinking, you don't know me, Bob, I am a raging introvert. I don't need people. Yes, you too. You need people. We are all needy. We all need people. Even science is showing us our need for connection. There was this study that I read in Jenny Allen's book, Find Your People, talking about how scientists have said that this epidemic of loneliness in our culture and the outflow of that loneliness leads to feelings of depression, feelings of anxiety, even sometimes suicidal thoughts. That continual feeling of that has a negative physical effect on our very body. Scientists now warn that loneliness is worse for your health. And I was sharing this with my son yesterday. We were talking about this. And he's like, that almost seems like it can't be true. But here's what science is saying. It is worse for our health than obesity, smoking, or physical inactivity. It's a big deal. It is a big deal. God wants us to be connected because science is just catching up to what God has known about from the very, very beginning. When we look back to the very, very beginning of the Bible, we see that God made us to be connected. He made us for relationship. Genesis 1.26 says this. It says, then God said, let us, plural, make mankind in our image, plural, in our likeness. You see, God exists eternally, not just in a relationship, but as a relationship. And we are made in God's image. 
So it's God's design that we are to function in the context of relationship. We're not to be isolated. That longing, that deep longing that we feel for healthy, supportive, interdependent, mutually submissive relationships, that comes from God. It's how he made us. You weren't just made for community. You were made from community. God birthed mankind out of his community, and that's what we're made for. And so it makes sense that God would say that missing thing that we feel, that tug on our heart when we feel loneliness, it's because we're not living out what he has made for us to be. Genesis 2.18, it makes sense that God would say this. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. It's just not good. It's not helpful. It's not healthy for us to live alone. So I think it would be unwise of us for sure and almost maybe in in one sense arrogant for us to say the God of the universe in his amazing majesty and infinite creation, infinite, infinite of who he is, if he thinks that it's important for him to be in relationship, how much more us and our finiteness and our limitedness need to have relationship. We are needy. I hope if nothing else at this point, You've come to a place where you're thinking, you know, I may have needs. I may have needs for relationship. But what we're going to unpack over the course of this message is how does God want to meet those needs? If God has hardwired those needs into us, how does God want to meet those needs in our lives? And he wants to do it through friends. And that's what we're going to unpack in the book of Proverbs. Because the book of Proverbs says over and over that it's the fool, the fool's life comes to ruin for two things, a lack of friends and poorly chosen friends. Proverbs 18, 24 says this, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. What wisdom literature is telling us, what Solomon is saying is that there's that friend that is closer than family, That's that 2 a.m. phone call friend. That's what we need to find in our life. But how do we begin to think about forging those kind of relationships in our life? What is true of a relationship that's a 2 a.m. phone call relationship in our life? We're gonna look at some principles that every one of those has. And the first one is this, time. It takes time to forge these kind of relationships. Proverbs 17, 17 says this. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. There's a couple of ways that the author there is thinking about time. It's like lots of time, like we log time together. It doesn't happen by accident in short amounts of time, but he's also talking about that friendship is developed in the context of all kinds of times, good times, bad times, the good, the bad, and the ugly of our life. Those kind of relationships are forged over time. And I believe this to be true. The number one reason that people don't have those kind of friends in their life is because they don't make time. We're too busy. We've got too many things going on. We don't take the time to build rhythms into our life that will create the opportunities for us to regularly be eyeball to eyeball, life to life, face to face, 
with 2 a.m. phone call kind of friends. We're just too busy. We don't make time. I read this article that was talking about some research that a University of Kansas professor, Jeffrey Hall, did. And his research was talking about how do we grow friendships in our life? And he had four different categories of friendships. He talked about acquaintances. Then he talked about casual friends. He talked about friends. And then he talked about close friends. And when I hear close friends, that's I'm talking about the 2 a.m. phone call friends. And he was talking about how much time it takes to make a transition from one kind of friend to another. And his research showed that on average, it takes about 50 hours of time together for someone to move simply from an acquaintance to a casual friend. If you wanna move from a casual friend to a friend friend, someone that's in your life, in your world, an additional 90 hours of life needs to be logged together. But get this, if you wanna move from a friend to a 2 a.m. phone call friend, an additional 200 hours on average needs to be logged for us to build in those kinds of friends. I don't know how, how accurate those numbers are, but the principle remains. It takes time. We don't do this on the backstroke. We don't do this by accident. It takes an incredible amount of intentionality to begin to build rhythms into our life to create these kind of friendships. And that's why you, you hear us all the time talking about what it means to be an all-in follower of Jesus. And when we say all-in, you'll often hear us say, someone who's willing to surrender their time, their talent, their treasure, and their plans. The first one is time. If we're gonna be who God wants us to be, we've got to be willing to surrender our time to build connection with other followers of Jesus. Brian mentioned it earlier, talking about journey communities. That is the space that we try to create for you to build a rhythm into your life, to build these kinds of friends. But most people are unwilling to take the time. Now here's what's challenging. Time by itself won't cut it. Because we can spend a lot of time with someone without becoming a 2 a.m. phone call friend. That time has to be a special kind of time. It needs to be marked by the next three qualities that Proverbs talks about. And the qualities are this. The first one is transparency. Proverbs 28, 13 says this. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses, reveals, and renounces them finds mercy. You see the, the contrast that's being said there? There's a concealing that we can do with our sin, and, and more than just our sin, any part of our life. We can conceal our, our life, or we can reveal our life to others. And when we're revealing our life to others, that's what we're talking about when we say transparency. Because you can't truly lift somebody up. You can't truly help somebody if you don't know them. If you don't really know them. And you're never gonna really know someone unless you learn how to be transparent with one another. We need to choose to reveal ourselves to others. But why is that so hard? It's hard for me, it's hard for you. Why is it so hard to reveal ourselves? Thinking about this, I think there's at least two things that cause us to not wanna be transparent with other people. One is pain and one is shame. We've all been hurt in relationships. We've all probably had those opportunities where we've opened up our life to someone. 
We shared something that was soft and tender and sacred in our life, only to have it used against us, that they didn't hold it sacredly the same way we held it sacredly. And maybe it was even used against you. Maybe you shared that thing about your life and you felt judged by another person. You were made to feel like you're the only one that struggles with that. What happens when we do that in relationships? And it happens to all of us. It makes us want to conceal. It makes us want to run and hide. We don't want to show the world what's happening underneath. We all have those kind of hurts in our world, in our relationships. But here's what you've got to understand and believe. You've also hurt others in that same way. We all deal with that kind of hurt. So what do we do in the midst of our fear of pain and shame? I think what we have to do is we've got to risk. We've got to risk revealing. No more concealing, we've got to risk revealing. A couple of weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago now, um, I'm just gonna be honest with you. Carmen and I got in a fight And I would probably say this, in some ways it might have been one of the worst fights uh, that I can remember uh, in our marriage. Um, If if I told you about the content, like what what kind of surfaced it, you would think, well, that's, that's just ridiculous. What I'm talking about in terms of why it was so hard and why it was so bad was because as the emotions started to rise, and I was in this place where I felt like I am 100% right, and you are being irrational, and she was in a place where she believed, I am 100% right, and you are not understanding what's really happening here. And as we're trying to engage this, the tension kept rising, the volume kept rising. But then the way that we started to talk to one another, there was barbs, there was sarcasm, it was like we were trying to dig at one another. And I've got to tell you, when I look back on it, it, there's so much shame there, but it scared me. It rattled me because I thought, this can't become the pattern of our life because this is not going to end well. But I knew, I've got to talk to people about this. I've got to bring this out into the open with men that I love and men that I trust. But it was really hard to do because there was so much shame associated with it. And I was thinking back as I was writing this about one of those men that I had the opportunity to share that with and I didn't want to because I thought, I, I, I don't want his opinion of me to go from here to here. Or maybe it wasn't even there, maybe from here to here, wherever, <laughs> wherever it was, I didn't want it to go down. And there was this sense of shame because in the back of my mind, I just, I know him and it's like, he would never do that to his wife or in their marriage. And so it was just like, Am I, am I really gonna say this? But I just said, Lord, I, 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 need, I need to be someone that reveals. I gotta live this out. So I started to just unpack all those things in, in detail with him. His response was so interesting to me. He actually started to smile as I shared, and he would nod his head. It wasn't what I expected. I, I don't think I expected that his eyes were gonna pop out or his jaw was gonna drop, but he just smiled and he kept nodding. And as he kept doing that, it just made me feel like, Bob, you're okay. You're okay. It's going to be okay. I was so grateful for that response because even though he's a close friend and I know his character, there's still that fear of being judged. But just someone sitting across the table and say, we're going to, we can work on it. You are going to be okay. You know what that does when we're actually able to be 
gut level, raw, honest with people and they respond like that, it makes us want to reveal because we're not made to hide. But we've got to find those kinds of friends and be willing to say, I want to open up my life. Because here's what we don't always understand is that transparency, that is the the rich soil of intimacy. It's really what we're longing for. We don't want buddies, friends just to visit with and talk with and have a good time with. We want to be really known and we want to be really loved and we can't get there if we're not willing to reveal. We've got to talk to people about the fight that we had with our spouse that brings incredible shame to our life. We've got to talk to people about the porn addiction that is taking us under in our spiritual life. We've got to talk to people about that abortion that we had that nobody knows about but I've got to say something. I've got to feel accepted and loved even in the midst of my pain. Maybe it's not even big things. Maybe it's just small things, little things in your life that make you cry when you're all alone. You need to find people that you can share that with. Talk to people about the things that are bringing anxiety to your life, the things that are keeping you up at night, keeping you from sleeping at night. You've got to be able to share those. You've got to be able to talk to someone about that ache that you feel in your heart because you want to be married and you're not. And you want to have a relationship. You've got to have people that you can talk to, that you can be transparent with. Because I'll tell you this. Friendships that are just built on fun and laughter and good times, it's great. That's, that's part of friendship. But if that's the foundation of your friendship, it'll never be a 2 a.m. phone call relationship. You've got to be transparent. You've got to take your life beneath the surface. But how do you do that? How do we as People in our, maybe even our casual friends, how do we begin to move toward becoming friends and 2 a.m. friends? Here's what I believe that we need to do. We need to ask better questions when we're together. Let's not just talk about gossipy things. Let's not just talk about complainy things. Let's not talk about trivia things. Let's talk about what's happening in our life. And we don't go there often unless somebody asks a question. Maybe the next time you're sitting across the table from a friend or a group of friends, just throw it out there. What keeps you up at night? What are the things that bring great anxiety to your life? What are the things that are making you feel so lonely right now? Maybe what what is your longings? What are the things that you desperately hope for in your life? Talk about things that are heart level and be transparent. Don't conceal, reveal. We've got to ask good questions questions of one another get beneath the surface but also transparency is not enough it's not just about revealing but in the midst of a transparent relationship we've got to have friends that are willing to speak truth we've got to hear truth proverbs 8 28 23 says this whoever rebukes a person will in the end gain favor rather than one who has a flattering tongue. It's easy to compliment, it is hard to rebuke. Proverbs 27 says this, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Wisdom literature, Solomon is telling us, if you wanna have 2 a.m. phone call friends, they've gotta be the kind of friends that you're willing to speak truth to one another. You've gotta say truth, but you also have to learn to receive truth. But we, 
We say hard things. We need to say hard things, but the reason that we call it hard things is that they're hard to say. They're hard to hear. And because it's hard, we don't do it. And that's why we don't have those kinds of friends, but we gotta have friends that speak truth. Let me ask you this. Do you have that kind of friend? Do you have that kind of friend that would be willing to sit across the table from you and say something that is hard for them to say? Speak truth into your life. I wanna ask this question in in another way because I hope it might take it a little bit deeper because you might say, oh yeah, I've got that kind of friend. When was the last time somebody said something hard to you? Can you even think of a time? Let me just kind of challenge a little bit here. If you can't think of a time that somebody has said something hard to you recently, it's probably not because there's not hard things to say. It's not that your life is so up here. It's likely because you don't have that person in your life that either knows enough about your life or is, is trusts enough to be able to say the hard things to you. You don't have that kind of a friend in your life. But if you want that kind of a friend in your life, what would you do? Here's how I think we would move toward that. Begin to look around the network of your relationships. Begin to think about the friends that you have in your life and just say, who has wisdom? When I watch their life, it looks like they're a person that has one ear to heaven. They're trying to integrate the principles of God's word into their life. They've got wisdom. Who around me is like that? And invite them to speak into your life. Give them an invitation. Throw the door wide open. Don't wait for them to come knocking on your door. Be willing to open up the door for them. Ask for feedback. Be willing to look them in the eye and just say, is there something in my life that you see where I need to grow? Is there something that I need to integrate into my life to help me become a better follower of Jesus, a better husband, a better parent? What do you see in my life? And maybe a third question would be, would you help me? Would you help me figure out, would you walk with me? Hold me accountable. And when we hear that word accountability, I'm not talking about someone that polices your life. I'm talking about someone that partners with your life, that says, I'm gonna get my arm around you. I'm gonna walk this out with you because we need people to help us make the changes in the hard things that they say. We need people even to do things simple as that. The last thing that needs to be true of two of him phone call kind of friends because if you've got people and you're, you're being transparent and you're speaking truth here's what's going to happen it's going to create conflict at times it's going to generate conflict so we need to have friends and friendships that are marked by tenacity and when I say tenacity I'm talking about a stick-to-itiveness like a bulldog, like a bulldog tenacity. They can lock their jaw on something and they won't let go. We need friends that are willing to do that with our friendship. They're in it with us and they're not gonna let go. The Proverbs says this, Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. You can kind of get the picture there. If you wanna sharpen a knife, you rub another hard knife on it. And what happens? It sharpens. It, it knocks some of the edges off, some of the burrs that maybe you don't even see, and it makes it sharp, and it makes it effective. But what happens while that's happening? 
When one piece of iron is rubbing across another piece of iron, it creates friction, it creates heat, it creates conflict. If we're gonna have 2 a.m. phone call kind of friends in our life, we've got to be willing to deal with conflict. Because it's hard to hear hard things. It's hard to say hard things. And we've gotta think about what is our response gonna be when someone speaks truth into our life and there's conflict. Are we gonna self-protect? Are we gonna try to hide? Are we we gonna blame them? Are we gonna try to walk away? Are we gonna try to move away from the relationship? No, we've gotta be tenacious. Our relationships have to have tenacity that says, I'm gonna stay here and I'm gonna fight. I'm gonna fight for you. I'm gonna fight to be committed to you. I'm gonna fight to understand you. I'm gonna stay here and fight. I am committed. There's got to be tenacity in relationships. When I was thinking about this, I was thinking about several years ago, the council of our church had to make a a really difficult decision. And the way that decision landed in my life, I'll just be really honest with you, it created a lot of anger in me and it created a lot of pain in me. And I'll say this absolutely right now, the decision that they made was 100% the right decision. But it still affected me. And I had to make the decision, what am I gonna do with this? Am I gonna gonna just back away and just say, I'm out, I'm hurt, I'm gone? I decided to fight. (laughs) But it made some hard conversation and some quiet car rides. But we moved toward one another. They sharpened my life. And when I look back at that, the process of that, understanding all that they were doing in and around our church and what they wanted to do, even for me and for the leadership around our church, I am so grateful. But more than anything, I'm so grateful that we moved through the conflict. Because these weren't just leaders of our church, the people that had leadership over my life. These were my friends. These were my close friends. But moving through that conflict didn't hurt our friendship. It actually galvanized it. And it's so interesting. The reason that I thought of this is uh, a couple of my friends just this week, we were, we were kind of reminiscing about all that we walked through during that season. We we're actually able to laugh about it because we were able to be galvanized even through conflict. Here's what we need to understand Having these kind of 2 a.m. phone call friends, having conflict in those relationships is not an enemy to our friendship. In fact, conflict, that's the soil in which good, deep friendships grow. Conflict's gonna be inevitable. You can't log the kind of hours and the time and the life and the honesty and the truth speaking that it takes to be that kind of friendship without conflict. But if we handle it in a healthy way, if we handle it biblically, it actually strengthens our relationship. The hurt, the hurt in that actually becomes part of the health if, if we don't run. Tenacity, we've got to have tenacity. Simple definition I wanna give you that I heard from someone, I think this is a definition of a 2 a.m. phone call friend, is this. A true friend always lets you in and never lets you down. Always lets you in, never lets you down. Lets you in, 
gives you time, gives you transparency, is willing to reveal, is unwilling to conceal, always lets you in, but never lets you down. Always willing to say the hard thing because they love you. Always willing to be tenacious. I'm not going anywhere. I'm gonna fight. I'm gonna fight for us to stay committed to each other. Always let you in, never let you down. Do you have, do you have those kinds of friends willing to give you time, willing to be transparent, willing to speak truth, willing to be tenacious about staying committed to you? Do you have 2 a.m. phone call friends? This was challenging. This was, writing sermons is challenging because I get to sit in this a lot longer than you do. And I have to look at my life and ask the questions, how am I doing? How am I doing not only at having 2 a.m. phone call friends, but what was the hardest thing for me is how am I doing at actually being a 2 a.m. phone call friends for others? This is what was just so crushing as I, did this, and it just made me realize, friends, that for us to have friends like this, the hard work is not about us praying and working to find these kinds of friends. The hard work for us is working and praying to become these kinds of friends. And you have control over that. You have control over what kind of friend you are gonna be to others. Don't just think about finding friends. Think about becoming a friend. Do I give people time? Am I transparent with the people that are around me? Am I willing to speak truth? Am I willing to hear truth from others? And is there a stick-to-itiveness to my relationships, a tenacity? The last thing I wanna say is for us to think about the power that it takes to have these kind of relationships. I don't want you to leave here and thinking that finding these kind of friends or even becoming this kind of friends is a do more, try harder. We don't learn how to do this until we actually have one of these ourselves. Jesus was the ultimate friend. And at the very end of his life, when he was trying to explain to his disciples what the kingdom of God was like and what it was gonna be like to experience him, he put it in the context of friendship. The power to become a friend is rooted in the friendship with Jesus. Here how Jesus here's how Jesus said it, John 15 starting in verse 12. He said, "My command is this: love each other as I have loved you." That's how we're a friend. We love others as he's loved us. Greater love has no one than this: to lay down one's life for one's friends. That's what Jesus did for us. And I can't even believe that he would say this. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from the Father, I have made known to you. Jesus always lets us in, never lets us down. And it's in a relationship with him and experiencing that from him and with him, that we actually have the power and the understanding to extend that to the world around us. Love one another as I have loved you. Be a friend to one another the way Jesus was a friend to us. We get to do something special. Brian mentioned it. We get to celebrate communion together. 
And communion is the reminder for us to think about what it is that Jesus did for us in order to create that friendship with us. He gave his life, his broken body, his shed blood in our place to pay the penalty for our sin. He did everything to make it possible for us to have a friendship with him. And we get to celebrate that today. We're gonna come up here in a minute as the band is gonna play a couple of songs. We're gonna have plenty of time, but we're gonna have an opportunity to take a cracker, a picture of the broken body of Jesus, broken for us. We're gonna be able to dip it into the juice or the wine, a reminder again of the shed blood of Jesus, what he did for us to create an opportunity to know him. If you're here today, Maybe this idea of a friendship with Jesus seems foreign to you. I don't know that I've ever started a relationship with him. I don't think I've got that kind of a friendship. I just want to let you know that Jesus is extending his hand of friendship to you through his broken body and his shed blood. And what we need to do is just simply acknowledge, Jesus, we're needy. We are needy of your friendship. My life is broken. My life is broken from sin. Jesus, thank you that you were willing to die on the cross in my place to pay the penalty for my sin. I receive that from you today, your forgiveness. And maybe for some of you, taking communion today would be your step of faith to open up and step in to that friendship with Jesus. I invite you to do that today. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so grateful that you are the ultimate picture of a friend. Thank you that you were willing to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Thank you that you always let us in and you never let us down. As we celebrate communion today, Jesus, we just say thank you. We are so grateful and we acknowledge that we are so needy. Thank you that you met our needs right where we were at. And Jesus, it's in your powerful and resurrected name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Thanks for engaging with this content. If it was encouraging to you, we'd love for you to leave a review. Hit that subscribe button and share this content with others. We'd also love to connect with you. The best place to do that is journeyweb.net. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search Journey Church Bozeman and you'll find us there. If you'd like to give to our ministry, you can do that now at journeyweb.net slash give. Once again, thanks for engaging with Journey Church.